for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am Christina Pajitsky, your host, your, um, <laughs> your your pseudo-philosopher comedian on this journey of life. I hope you had a good week. I hope you did everything you wanted to do, kind of-ish. <laughs> you can't do everything all the time, but I don't know. I hope you had a, a decent week. I did myself. Uh, puppy land has settled. We've settled into some kind of stasis at this point. We've figured out somewhat how to live with this wild animal um guys okay are, are you in denver come see me do stand up at the denver improv july 18th through 21st that is my birthday week too can you believe that 39 years old i'm crapping my pants um also please sponsor our show you can help the show by shopping on uh, through our amazon banner and how you do that is you go to amazon no you don't you go to uh that's deeprowpodcast.com uh, you click on my banner and you do your shopping as you normally would, and it kicks back some change to the show. It just helps us out a little bit. And so this uh, week, I have a fantastic guest, Stephen Simone. Uh, Steve, you go by Steve, not Stephen. Yeah. Steve Simone. He's going to be at the La Jolla Comedy Store July 10th and 11th in San Diego, and that is the same weekend as Chemican. <laughs> if you're a comedy, Chemican. Chemican, go uh, go see Steve. He's he's really funny. He's at awesomesteve.com. You can find him on Twitter at Steve Simone. And there we go. Hold on one second. So today's topic is uh, we're doing. We've done happiness before, but I'd like to try it again with a different point of view. We had Greg Fitzsimmons come in, and, and he's known for being rather depressed. He has de- severe depression, and I thought it would be interesting to have somebody who's on that side of the fence do happiness. But this time I have somebody who I believe is genuinely a happy dude. <laughs> Steve Simone is here, and um, we're going to discuss happiness and actually whether or not you can kind of will yourself into a different emotional state, and how is that possible? How does one do that? So let's get into it. But first, I want to play you this song because I just love it so much.
That's Tones on Tail. Song's called Happiness. <laughs> Are you familiar that's with goth sm- music? <laughs> that's smart kid music. I was just thinking, I was like, I was listening to Eddie Money this morning, and I'm like, that's probably why you're not happy. You got to crank Eddie Money first thing in the morning. <laughs> it really does put you in a good mood. Is that the secret? I believe in audio Prozac, I call it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, there's certain songs that just make you happy. I think that's absolutely true. Isn't that interesting how music can affect and change it's and transform amazing. your brain? Amazing. What do you think that is? What is that? I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't read it yet, but I sometimes like go through Twitter and there's so much information. I get information overload that I send things to my reading list. I didn't know I could do that. And then I'm so neurotic. Sometimes I email it to myself as well, just in case it doesn't go over. (laughs) But one was like this, uh, I think it was St. Augustine. that Oh, I like him. Yeah. That thought music, God was music, like Hmm. the symphony of existence that there's wow oh yeah it was really cool i can't wait to read it saint augustine uh i read a lot about i was i went to jesuit college as you did yep. and he also said that we're born in between urine and feces <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! you know that guy was up for laughs after a couple of drinks <laughs> hey, am i right high five another <laughs> just kind of a happy guy so steve simone uh you've been a comic for a long time i've seen you yeah. around I don't say I don't I can't say that I know you know you very well, but what I do know about you and of you, my experience of you, is that you're so happy and you've been happy and I believe it's genuine. You just you worked on our pilot a couple of weeks back and Yeah, you're I didn't fantastic. know if I was allowed to, to talk course. about that. It's been the I can't thank you guys enough oh, for that. I'm honestly You deserve it. That you're was amazing. so much fun. But you're happy and, and that character we thought of you immediately because <laughs> that that was that guy's character and uh Anyway, I wanted to get you in here uh, to find out what's your secret. What are you doing that we aren't doing? And <laughs> let's start. Let's start somewhere. Okay. Where are you from? Tell me. Get us a little bit about your background. All right. Grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like normal people. Um, like when people hear Philly, they assume because I'm Italian too. They're like, "Oh, he must have grew up like Rocky." I'm like, "No, it's way more Kevin Arnold <laughs> okay. was the suburbs. The Wonder Years. Way more like that. Yeah. That kind of neighborhood. Normal, middle class. Um, mom and dad together? or Mom and dad together. Oh, wow. Then my uh, grandmother moved in with us. So it was three generations under one roof. Oh Absolute God. chaos in the best sense of the word. Um, not that big of a family, but very close family. And then, uh, yeah, I'm Irish and Italian, so any brothers I was raised Catholic. Brothers three boys. Okay. I'm the middle of three boys. Oh, okay. You're the middle child. Mm-hmm. Those are always my favorites. My best friend. That's my how husband. you become. That's how you become a comedian. Yeah. Oh, is that so? You think that was? Oh, what yeah. Led there's you? definitely something with that. Yeah. I think so. What do you think it was? Uh, I guess you look back, and there has to be something to that birth order stuff where they go, the middle <laughs> one needs the attention. Because I look back and I'm like. Why was I wearing shorts with Hawaiian print shorts like the first day of spring when everybody was still wearing winter coats? (laughs) You know, I was like a chubby 12-year-old that wanted to be Chunk from Goonies. Oh, I love Chunk. Do you know he's an attorney now? Yeah, I know. It's so great. And you know, yesterday was the 30th anniversary of Goonies. So crazy. So crazy. Yeah, the Truffle Shuffle. We used to see him. I grew up here in San Fernando Valley, and we would see Chunk at like Coco's and people would yell at him, do the truffle shovel. And he would do it for you. Oh my God. God. You got to see Chunk as a kid. Yeah. Oh, that had to be the best thing in life. Dude, it blew my mind. It just blew my mind. so cool. Yeah. Growing up in LA, you got, and we got to see the kid from different strokes, the red haired kid and Kevin Arnold, the guy who played Wonder Years around. Yeah. The, was it the best growing up here? No, no, (laughs) no, because there's so much, um, there's such a class divide here. Like mm. I'm, I grew up like kind of working class and then there's, there's kids that are 
that are celebrity kids who just have so much money. So you're either a have or a have not here. I, I find. Yeah, I find I that frightening because yeah. I see that happening to America in general. Uh, for it, sure, it's yeah, not good. No, it's not, it's good. not good. We need a middle class for sure. It's necessary. So you grow up normal, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you come to uh, you come to L.A. when? Uh, when I was 27. Yeah, it was the summer I turned 27. It was about 15 years ago. And I had reached that point in my life. Like, I had that quarter-life crisis that people talk about. I remember um, my second semester of college, and it dawned on me, like, this is about to be over. What am I going to do now? Oh, my God. Um, In retrospect, I am writing a lot of stand-up material based on how awful your 20s are. It's the worst. It's middle school with student loan debt. Yeah. It's 10 (laughs) years of middle school. It's the worst. You're just not equipped emotionally to deal with anything. You look amazing, but it's the worst time of your life. Worst. It's the worst. And we put so much pressure on people. Yeah. Like, I think there's that subconscious pressure where you realize that it might be the death of the middle class. So you want to do all this pressure to get ahead in your 20s. Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. And it's like, how am I going to be a millionaire, retire, get married and have kids on the span? (laughs) Right. And you don't even know who you are yet. Or what you really want to do or what's going to make you happy. And so many people get on these tracks that just – and the train starts going in one direction. Next thing you know, you're miserable. And I was trying to avoid getting on one of those trains. So that was miserable. I was taking the time to think things through Um, when a lot of my friends didn't. They just went from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And then I started – I was very naive as to how the world really worked because my parents are such good people. Um my 20s were awful so i turned 27 i was like i can't do this normal life and um i moved out here <laughs> yeah because i i do find and it got so much worse yeah oh yeah well <laughs> I, it's funny you say that your parents were good my parents my mom wasn't she we, she married a criminal and but i i really enjoyed um i enjoyed christianity as a child because i loved the goodness of it i yeah. loved I loved learning about Jesus and his teachings and how to be a good person. And I really believe that the world kind of worked like that too. Yeah. And uh, it's been an unlearning process for me. Like, oh, oh, wow. Like there's really bad people out there and you kind of do have to be wise to the game of life because there is a game being played whether or not you want to participate and I hate it. Yeah, I, hate I was just going to say, that's it. But I that's, hate it. That makes you miserable. Right. It, it's, okay. Oh, I hate There's that There's so part. much to get into. Okay, go. Like, so let's, let's, let's start. Okay, from... <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I guess in a morbid way, I just told this to a friend yesterday, so I'll just be, I'll just say it again to strangers. It's fine. There's no boundaries on Okay, this this is what I really do think. Okay. One, we're laying on our deathbed. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't. I think the only thing we're going to be concerned about is: Did I make everybody else's journey easier? Hmm. I really do believe that you're not going to worry about how much money you had, how much power you had, how much prestige. You're going to see that that was all a game, that that was all an illusion. The only thing that's going to matter is: 
the impact you had on other people's lives. You're gonna go, did I, was, was I loving? Did I try to ease their pain? And I think that's all that's really important. So if you have that perspective and then you re-engineer your life, how do I live that? Of course. And then yeah. that's gonna make you happy. Taking yeah. the focus off of yourself. Oh, that's. I think that's a huge one. Uh, huge. Because it gets you out of your own ego and out of your own bullshit. And your Correct. Own and that's why your 20s are awful. Because yeah. you don't realize that. It's all about what can I get? What can I get? How am I going to get ahead? If you focus on yourself, you're going to be miserable. Misery. That's it. Uh, another thing I had to let go of was perfectionism. <laughs> Whoa, me too. Yeah. Like I, I call it the... The prison of perfectionism. You got to let that go. And then just gratitude. And it's like, okay, live for other people. Gratitude. And for me, since we did mention it a little bit before we got started, for me, I had to reconnect to my faith that I was raised with in a very adult way. And I don't know if that works for everybody else. So we can go in and out of these different topics because I don't want to ever preach or tell anybody what to believe. But um, I think anybody listening to this is probably a searcher of truth. And uh, that's it. That's all I can encourage people to do. Keep on, keep on digging. Interesting that you say that because Plato, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's a friend of this show, uh, wait, hold on, let me find, let me make sure this. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. Let's go to Montaigne. This is Montaigne's quote on happiness. He says, "The enjoyment of life requires a deliberate handling with it. I enjoy my life twice as much as the others. Philosophy makes those who are devoted to her happy and cheerful." And I would argue that, you know, philosophy for Montaigne, maybe, but for most people, it's the search for truth. It's the search for some kind of um, intrinsically valuable meaning to your life and, and not just the game of paying the mortgage, yeah, it's ridiculous. finding the money, getting the career, getting the status, because you do get all that crap and then you go, oh, is that now all there why? is? Right. Now I'm still an empty. And we see this in show business. All the time. Right. Celebrity money doesn't necessarily, but I don't want to poo-poo the importance of money because money can help you stay at a level where you're not panicked Look, and it's sad. Maslow's it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? right? It's right. like you have to cover your bases. But I think we put so much of an emphasis on money. Oh, in the West, it's it's a measure of your value. And it's really yeah. sad. Yeah. And the more materialistic we become and the more selfish we become, the more miserable we become. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does any of it mean? Do you want to be happy? That's the focus of this. You want to be happy? Stop thinking about yourself all the time. Man. <laughs> is that what, because when, when we had texted about you coming to do this show, you said that you spent a lot of time being miserable and that you kind of yeah, made it took a, a long conscious, time. Yeah, it's a conscious decision to Yeah, I, I remember 10 years ago being so like in the middle of a breakdown, just listening to uh, The Power of Positive Thinking on a Loop by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. It's a oh, great I, old school. I like the old school ones. Yeah, old yeah. school's the best. <laughs> and he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, you What's know, it called again? The, the power, power of Positive Thinking. I'm going to get, hold on. Power I'll positive. burn you a copy of it. I have I it on my iTunes. Shit. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I remember my life was so bad at one point, my younger brother sent me Tony Robbins. Hey. Oh, Tony Robbins is great. Yeah, and I was I like, all right. I, and I was at a point where I was like, I need this. All right, <laughs> yeah. uh, here we go. Yeah. So what? why were you miserable? What happened? Was it just being in your 20s and being, fo- or was it a thing that happened to you? Oh, it was so much. Like, I kind of view it like do you ever take christmas lights out of a box and they're so tangled you're like what am i gonna do with this yeah. let's not even celebrate this year <laughs> right that was my psyche okay um why was i miserable 
I had different expectations as to way the world is versus how I was raised to believe mm-hmm. the world was. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea how selfish I was. Um, even my concept of God wasn't really this loving, forgiving God that wanted me to be happy. It was more of a concept of almost like a gangster <laughs> that hmm. gave me this gift of life and what was I going to do to make him happy. I didn't really, like, I was raised with a lot, my, how can I say this? I, my parents are wonderful people. And the coolest thing is I see how I reconnected to my faith and how I've sort of influenced them to sort of change. Because I remember once at, like, my most miserable, I remember, like, going, because my mom's, like, really Catholic. And I remember talking to my mom on the phone. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's like you can have a peanut butter sandwich and you can have a jelly sandwich. But if you put them together, it's too delicious and God's going to be happy. God's not. God's going to be. It's a sin to be happy. It was pretty much how (laughs) I was raised. Well, yes, if you're Catholic, that is. And that's wrong. That's not at all. That's a misinterpretation. Like it was like uh, I grew up thinking Catholicism was like the Billy Joel song. Would you rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints? Mm. But I've come, the way I've reconnected to my faith was it's the opposite of that. Mm. It's the exact opposite of that. I remember my own mother telling me, she was like, well, Steve, uh, they say being Catholic is a very difficult way to live, but a very easy way to die. <laughs> oh, God. Are you crazy? Whoa. Are you telling me that the only thing I have to look forward to is death? death. <laughs> death. Like, well, that back to St. Augustine, that's a lot of that heavy rhetoric. And I think what's interesting, what, what you're hitting on, and I, I struggled with up until I would say five years ago, is the idea of giving yourself permission to feel joy. Uh, You must allow yourself to feel deserving and give yourself permission to actually feel the joy and the happiness of just life, of just being. Because I I grew up Catholic too, and there's a lot of inherent guilt that you need to unpack as an adult. And there's also a lot of your my childhood crap of like, if I'm happy about this, the other shoe is going to drop. And when's that other shoe going to drop? And that's ridiculous. And and then I won't be happy. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like you, yeah, I guess it took me a long time to accept that I'm allowed to be happy. That's a huge thing. Yeah. And then another huge. huge thing was, wait, maybe this force that makes the universe work created me to be happy. Right. And then as soon as I locked into that, um, the last little puzzle piece that I put together just recently was trust. Oof. And that was, I think Working that's the that. final, that's the <laughs> final one. And, and that's made everything so much easier. There's, I have no ugh. more, no more anxiety, no more guilt, no more depression. Just try to be in the moment. Sometimes do I get sad? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a human being. I read a great Bukowski quote I love on, de- him. On, on depression where he talked about, now he was like in his 50s or whatever. He's like, now I can feel it coming along and I, I don't fight it. I just go, you know what? Right. I'm going to put on my PJs. I'm going to stay in bed for two days and then it's going to pass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, it's a great, it's a better way to live, not beating yourself up. Mm. And that was a difficult thing that I just learned. Like, I, in a weird way, like I view when I returned to Christianity and I read books like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Oh, I read yeah. C.S. Lewis's, uh, my favorite book, Screw Tape Letters. Oh, yeah. I read that it's in college. That was fantastic. greatest. Mm-hmm. Go back and there's so much in that. Um, and then I started to like go on my own little spiritual journey. I read like Thomas Kempis. I read a lot. Uh, there was a great book called Father Joe. Have you ever read that Mm-mm. book? It's about 
remember when we were kids, there was those spitting image puppets that were like those British puppets of like Margaret Thatcher yeah. and Ronald Reagan. Well, the yeah, guy yeah, that yeah. created that great life story, he was uh, the na- his name's Tony Hendra. He was uh, the editor of the National Lampoon. Oh, I love that. A huge influence on me as a kid. Me too. I read all those mags. And Mad Magazine was a huge. Huge. Yeah. Right? Well, this dude, he actually has a cameo in Spinal Tap because I remember looking at the book jacket. I'm like, I know that guy. (laughs) And long story short, it's a great book about how um, he was a really religious kid and then went off to college and found comedy. And it was Mm. sex, drugs, and comedy. And then did the whole Hollywood thing and how empty and sad he was on the inside. And how he always kept a relationship with this really cool priest, this guy, Father Joe. Mm. Um, And the one thing I really took from that book was the priest telling him that he was never going to be able to give love. Because he was talking about the marriages he had ruined. That he was never going to be able to really give love until he could receive the love from God. And my mom did raise me like that. She did say that, like, you have a special spot inside of you that only God can fill, and you can't try to fill it with other things. <sighs> Isn't that the point and of AA very, and addiction and overeating and it, anxiety? And Because uh, there is a primordial hole in your heart. Absolutely. Everyone's born with it. A hundred percent. And that's yeah. why, like, I was on the phone with my brother last week. And I was like, we were talking about, for whatever reason, we just started to talk about the Ten Commandments. And I'm like, they're not there to make society work. They're not there to make, to make, to protect your neighbor from you. They're there to protect you from yourself. Oh, wow. That's interesting. That's an interesting way to look like, at it. I really view, like, I hate just making this about religion, but I'll quote Harold Ramis right now because I love comedy. <laughs> yeah, Harold Ramis Com- is great. Okay. Harold Ramis is my guy. God rest his soul. The greatest. I love that dude. And he was quoting somebody even smarter than him. And it might have been the guy that wrote, it might have been Chekhov or something like that. I don't know who he was quoting, but I'll paraphrase it. And he said the biggest, and this was a Harold Ramos interview, where he said the biggest decision in life is whether you believe in God or you don't. Yeah. That's the biggest decision. And he said, if you believe in God, then you de facto believe anything's possible, Mm -hmm. right? If there is this God, then anything's possible. He was like, if you don't believe in God, then anything's permissible. And I was like, whoa, that's that's really interesting. Yes, because Nietzsche said, if God didn't exist, everything is possible. Well, meaning (laughs) permissible, I think. Permissible, yeah. (laughs) Everything is... That's the distinction. Yeah, the whole world, everything cracks open and yeah. And who knows? And that's how people become miserable, though. Is not like, having... when you glorify yourself. Like if you talk well, about you talk about that hole that we're, I really do believe, and so many great philosophers have talked about that. That yes, and it's like, wait, if that's there, why is that there? Like we could go on the debating the existence of God or whatever. Let's we'll talk about being happy. There, I think there are certain rules. And I, when I came back to my faith, I didn't look at those rules as restrictions. I looked at them as an instruction guide on actually how to live mm-hmm. and realizing that we're all connected. That when I look at my faith, Ari asked me once on a podcast, he goes, well, what all the bullshit? He goes, I go, all right, take all the rules, all the dogma, all of it away. How it's affected my life on the day-to-day basis is that I really do believe this. There's nothing good I can do to you that isn't ultimately good for me. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing bad that I can do to you that isn't ultimately bad 
for me. So by giving love out, it always comes back to me. And it was very difficult for me to to feel like I was allowed to be happy. But the more I started to try to make other people happy, the more I found happiness. The more I started to forgive other people, I was finally able to forgive myself. Ooh, yeah, that's a tiff. That's a big one. It's too. huge. But it's like I really do believe whatever you want, you give it away. Oh, and whatever. then it comes back to you. A Absolutely. thousand percent. Yeah, I, like I if you want love, give it away. I if agree. you want friends, be a good friend. If you want money, I know this sounds crazy to somebody that's can't get by right now. Give it away. Don't give it that power. Don't because it's that choice between love and fear, right? That's what yeah. everybody all philosophies come down to. It's, it's becoming when, obsessed about like for the money thing. If you're always obsessed about a lack of it and stress, then it's going to repel it. But I think what's interesting is in in the West, it's so funny that we we tell people what are my dogs eating? It makes me so nervous when I see them. <laughs> They're so come cute. Here. Come here, buddy. What's in your mouth? Aww. Oh. Oh. What, what is it? Stick. Hold on. <laughs> Let me just make Hold sure. On. Let me, I see the one stick. Okay, we're back from a puppy emergency. So cute. <laughs> chewing on, chewing on all kinds of. So um, I was going to say the big goal in the West is uh, there's this mantra of like, just do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Follow your bliss. And while there's some merit in that, you know, you must go to where you're drawn I think it's a bit misleading because in order to be happy in the long run, it actually requires discipline and the ability to delay gratification. And what you're talking about with, you know, with Catholicism and any kind of system, you know, of religion is that there are rules and some people, you know, I don't agree with everything the Catholic no. church stands on. Obviously I'm a big right. I'm premarital sex. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm pro gay marriage. Right. I'm pro gay. I'm pro whatever. Um, but there are rules in every system of thought and there's kind of reasons for it because if you don't have parameters on your behavior, then that's what makes you miserable too. If you're drinking too uh, much or that's one of the things yeah. that I, I remember my last awful hangover years and years ago where that's why I had to like put the brakes on drinking for a long time. Um, because I would get so depressed the next day Yeah, and I would replay everything I said and did the night before. And then I had one of those thoughts where I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to hang over from my life. Does that make any sense? I don't want to be in my 70s and 80s and be like, oh, my God, I really fucked up. What did I do? I had this gift. Because what if dude, What if there is no God? What if It's still an amazing gift. Yeah. It's kind of like when you, I think about Jesus, I've had talks with people where I go, well, what if he wasn't God? What if he was just this guy that showed up and told us to forgive each other yeah. and love each other? That's almost that's almost more powerful than right. just a normal dude showed up and he was like, guess what? You got to love people through it. And I'm like, wow, I, I know I sound like a crazy hippie, but I really do think you can love people through anything. And those things that we look at rules and delayed gratification – that's how I was raised, that these are like rules and that you can't break them and that you feel guilty if you do. But they're not – the way I look at them now is that they're like, no, 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 dude. I love you this much. Trust me. Yeah. This will seem like a good idea, but it's going to bring you misery. And I read this great book. Um, do you ever hear this guy Fulton J. Sheen? Mm-mm. He was a Catholic uh, bishop or something back in the 50s. He had this TV show that was the number one TV show in America. He would uh, – had higher ratings than Milton Berle. 
Oh my god! Yeah, and I I don't know. I get on what? these YouTube. How did that happen? I don't. Well, just, our country's crazy? changed. Yeah, our country's oh, changed we're, so much. Idiocracy was a documentary of the future, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it's so sad. It's but you a know bummer. what? Yeah. No, this is what makes me happy, and this could be Pollyanna, and this could be like just me being. Re- I really do believe this. We're programmed to be happy. Yeah. Take God out of the equation, maybe, but we are all programmed to be happy. And right now, I think society is trying all those wrong ways to be happy. But I definitely believe in that pendulum. Society it's swings gonna come back. back. It's going to come back. And you know where it's coming back? In the podcasting world, where people like you and me sit down, you do your show. Yep. Uh, what's your podcast so people know? Good times. Self-help through nostalgia. There you go. And we're we're um, bringing a dialogue that's a little more meaningful into the culture and it's going to pick up it's going to enter the mainstream eventually absolutely <laughs> no because um, people i saw uh uh this monk or something talk and he was talking about how the pendulum just swings back and forth he was like look everybody that thinks it's the end of the world it was like 150 years ago uh, yeah it was the wild west and these little small towns there was gunfights in the middle of the street brothels gambling he goes that's now what we call the bible belt he right. was like, now there's a church. And oh, was right, like, right. Oh, how funny. Shift back and forth. He was how like, interesting. don't don't give him the disrespect. Yeah, because it does feel like we're in a, a just an amoral time. And, I, I and that's like, why people are miserable. Yeah, I feel like an old fogey saying that. And I'm not like some, you know, moral pinnacle of any. I, I right. don't declare that at all. But right. you do look at the zeitgeist, the, what's on television. You're like, how did we get here? It just seems so empty and... Like I can't watch those housewife shows. Oh, it's so sad because it makes me it makes me really sad. And I understand that's entertaining for some people, but and I love reality shows, but stuff like that and the Kardashians. I mean, the only intrinsically valuable thing that's come out of that is this Caitlyn Jenner yeah. uh, coming forward, and you know, at least she something capitalized on the mega mega fame for the yeah. sake of being famous. At least there's something done with that. But anyway, besides, let's not even talk about that. I. I don't you find too, and I don't know why this is, but being in a being a human being, there's kind of this inherent low grade misery. I do feel like you can either succumb to that. Like some, I remember in my twenties waking up, and my first thought was always, "Ah, shit, yeah, fuck, another fucking day." And I feel like that's kind of the default setting on our egos, on our minds, is like a low grade misery. And why? Like, what is that? Like, okay, why is that? Okay. Getting back to that guy Sheen, I read one yeah, of his books. Sorry, it was I real. No, it picks right up that. on that. He okay. said there's two ways to wake up in the morning. You can wake up and say, "Oh, good God, it's morning." Yeah. Or you can wake up, "Good morning, God." He was like, <laughs> "There's," and he was a real big believer in uh, both heaven and hell begin here on earth. That if you are miserable, usually it's people that are just trapped within themselves. When you mm. really look at miserable people, they're just victims of their own ego. They're mm. always complaining about themselves. They're always like, "My pain." My misery. How come I didn't get this? And then people that are not focused on themselves always seem happier. And it's mm. the fucked up thing about life is that people that seemed like they have more going for them, the better looking people, the richer people, the quote unquote more successful people have a kind of misery. Yes. That like I have a, I did a joke once. I have like nine buddies in my phone that are in wheelchairs for whatever reason. <laughs> Because and then I was thinking about it. I was like, because they're fucking happier <laughs> than my friends. Right. Like, like I remember I was dating this one girl. She was gorgeous. She kept on 
she was miserable about how her headshots turned out, like miserable. And then within two days, my buddy Daniel came to the comedy store and he was like, oh shit, they have a ramp. Mm, You don't have to push me up. (laughs) Like he was just so stoked. We didn't have to carry him in the building. Right. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, you know how to live. That's why I like hanging out with you. Right. Embracing the, the brights, the, 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 Oh, it's all little things. It all. And that's the thing too. It's never the big days. Like, it's funny. Like that pilot was amazing that we got to do that. It was so cool. It was fun. It was like, wow, this is what I've been waiting for, for many men. This is a manifestation of many years. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, what's next with those kinds of things because they're temporal. And, but, but what made our week was actually working with you, getting to see how funny you were. We Dude, you it was blew us away. So much fun, right? But that, but then at the end of the thing, it was connecting with the crew, having fun with other comics, community. community yes, and wouldn't it be a blessing to do that show and get to hang out with these people the best. every week? That's what. Right. It's, that's why I made the choice to do comedy. I was right. like, I want right. to be a part of a community. I, and right. I, whenever I do get depressed and I go, I pick up my phone, I go, I'm friends with the funniest people in the world. Right. What an insult it would be to the universe or God or energy for just my luck. Right. It's like, and celebrate that gratitude, huge, taking the focus off yourself. Materialism is a waste, ego yeah. waste, power waste, invest in experiences, people, community. You said you had some shortcuts stuff. for happiness. What are those? Um, he says, uh, oh yeah. Quick. Like I was joking. Yeah. 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 Like it really is for me, the little things yeah. like, it'll be like, uh, I started to have ice cream for breakfast every once in a while. <laughs> Are you serious? Dead serious. How funny. Is oh that? my God. It makes me so happy. And it's a small indulgence. And if you do it once in a while, it's not going to kill you. It's oh, just it's like, the greatest. you know, what's interesting. I just, I got, th- I just been feeling like crap. I had some kind of minor sickness recently and I, mm-hmm. And I finally came out of it, and I was like, I'm still carrying the misery of that physical. Because when I'm physically sick, I don't, I can't be happy. I, you know, when mm-hmm. you're physically just meow. And I was like, why am I still carrying that emotional space of being bummed out? Like you're, you're well. Why don't you go out? And I had to give myself permission to be happy again. Right. And I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm just gonna go get some ice cream. Like let's yeah, get some froyo. Like, yeah, it's the fuck best. It. Yeah. Dude, let's listen to Huey Lewis. Let's right. get to, you know, there's silly certain songs that make me happy. Um, Puppies, dogs. Get, getting a pet a dog. Are dogs you kidding are the me? Best, yeah. The greatest. Hang out with old people. <laughs> old people are really? adorable. I'm afraid of old people. I got to be uh, honest. That's one of my favorite things about like, uh, like I know at some point I'm going to have to work with people with special needs. Like I just love. I could totally see you doing oh, that. Oh, I love them. Like, I. Like, <laughs> But the funniest thing is like my buddy Daniel once I remember we were hanging out after a show and these people came around the corner and they froze like he was a fucking lion. <laughs> he just didn't know how to deal with it because <laughs> like he, he's in a wheelchair. They make him un- like some yes, people just don't yes, have that gift. Yes. They don't have to like, hey, uh, you're really funny. Uh, they're just staring at Daniel just left. And I'm like. And he, he knew it. He was like, I make some people nervous. And we were yeah. laughing. I think it's fear. I think people think if they talk to somebody in a wheelchair, it means they're going to end up in a wheelchair or something know. like that. Or like they just haven't dealt with, met with, talked to. Isn't it weird though that those people so often, more often than not, wind up being happier than... And I don't know. And I, I couldn't... I, in my mind, that is like, wow, that that could be a really tough thing for me. I don't know if I could... But it's really just another, it's an adjustment in the world. Like you're learning to be in the world 
differently, right? Yeah. Like if you have some kind of, I mean, I shouldn't even be, I don't fucking know. But I know what you're saying. I no. imagine it's just like an adjustment period and then you go, oh, well, this is now how I go through the world. Like this is, this is me. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it makes me think of that Woody Allen quote hmm. from uh, Annie Hall when he was like, there's only two types of people in the world. The miserable and the horrible. He <laughs> was, was like the horrible people that are like in wheelchairs or blind. He was like, I don't know how they get through life. Yeah. He was like, and the miserable, that's everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so true, isn't so, it? But, no, I don't think it's true. Gosh. Like, okay, we were talking about Bukowski earlier. For most earlier, people, I'm saying. For because they're caught up the in the default. bullshit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. th- this is what I really do believe. I think in the West, we are bombarded with messages of how miserable we really are so people can sell us false solutions. Oh, most that's what the whole thing it's all about marketing. runs on that. They're like, hey, you know yes. you're not worthy. You know you're not worthy of uh, love. You're not worthy of acceptance. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. Buy these shoes. Yes. Buy this car. Buy this perfume. The cosmetics industry is built on making women feel like crap. Yep. You look how old your face is. Yeah, look so how ridic- fat you are. You're but like, it's all what? so so ridiculous. Yeah, it's retarded. Yeah, it's all. I don't. I can't do it anymore. It's exhausting. No. I'm like, mm. fuck. There was something I really. I was going to make a point. Oh well, maybe well, that's we're part of about, the point. We're talking about ice cream in the morning. Oh, Bukowski. Bukowski do you ever yes. read that poem where he talks about the shoelace? Uh, I don't know that one. And I'll paraphrase the Bukowski poem about the show. Essentially, he was saying that the big defeats in life, you're prepared for. He was like, for whatever, like the loss of somebody you love or the big things. Somehow you get thrown. But he was like, it's the little things that make a person, drive a person to crazy. Mm. And he was talking about bending over to tie your shoe and your shoelace snaps at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And like, that's all it takes to make you go, fuck it. I don't want to live anymore. (laughs) Right. So I re-engineered that in my brain the other way. I started going, well, if that's true about the bad things, that's also true about the good things. Mm. And for me, I was like so miserable at one point. I was like, when was I happy? And I started to go, well, I remember fourth grade and we had pizza day. That square rectangle frozen shitty pizza. Fucking loved Loved that one, man. Loved it. And I was like, that made me happy. I'm like playing with the giant parrot. And I started to see all the happiness in my childhood. That's the benefit of nostalgia, that you can filter out all the bad stuff. But by doing that for yesterday, I'm now able to see it in the now. Mm, Does that make sense? That's interesting, I retrained my brain to look for the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Because we're always, and that's when it comes down to those choices that you read about self-help books and- Mm -hmm. I remember when I did listen to the power of positive thinking, they quoted Abraham Lincoln that a person that happiness is a choice mm. and that you're just about as happy as you choose to be. And I was so miserable at the time. I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, of course. There is no God. There is no happiness. Everything sucks and everybody's an asshole. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I started on this little journey and I'm like, there is joy. There is happy. People are amazing. I don't even think people are. I used to want to just punch people in the face. Oh, yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, poor little guy. He's just trying his best. I look at people. <laughs> like, And the more of an asshole somebody is, the more I know they just need a hug. That they're sad. And so that, sad. Yeah, they're sad people and sad things are happening in their lives. And it's hard to get there because some days when you're bummed out, you can't. I can't get there all the time. You know, no, I try to, but don't but beat yourself up for that either. Give give yourself that same the permission. Yeah, forgive yeah. yourself the same way you would forgive somebody else. That's why I love the whole concept of forgiving and turning the other cheek. 
because it's a cheat code for me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, right. oh, if that person's going through some shit, I don't know what they've been through. You know what? They were an asshole to me. I'll forgive them. Then I go, oh, wait, can you forgive yourself? Like, isn't it awful that sometimes we can remember all the times we fucked up? Yes. But we don't ever go back and think of all the good stuff we did? Yeah, of course. Isn't that amazing? Of course. I go through transgressions in my head all, like, I, I beat myself up over stuff I did 10 years ago. And I'm, yeah, and the other day I was taking a walk and I was like, Christina, when are you going to, when are you going to forgive yourself for this minor transgression you made against this person? When are you going to, when are you going to let it go? Yes. That's the hard part is like, you carry like, I carry a database of stuff that I've done and yeah, I don't know how to, some days I don't know how to get there though. This is what I think of. Did you ever see Rocky (laughs) 2? Of course. Okay. Do you remember the scene? Finest films of all one of the time, great, all of them. Do you remember when Apollo Creed <laughs> is watching the fight between him and the original fight between him and Rocky and he's saying okay. how he wants a rematch and then his trainer comes up to him and he goes, champ, I saw you beat that man like nobody's been beat and he just kept coming. <laughs> Baby, we don't need a man like that in our life. Mm. Let it go. Whoa. Let it go. <laughs> that makes me laugh. <laughs> and I just let it go. <laughs> Rocky helps. That's wrote, hilarious. Yeah. That's Rocky philosophy. That's great. Oh, you can learn anything you need to learn about life by watching the Rockies. <laughs> let it go. Yeah. Resilience. Let it go. Courage. Yeah. Faith. Fortitude. Faith. Yeah. Love. All that stuff. Wow. That's so true, dude. Let me, um, hold on. I wanted to read some philosophy stuff. Let's go there. It is definitely a conscious choice, though, isn't it? Being happy. It's all conscious. It is. And you know what's really cool? For whatever reason, life is all about momentum. And the worst thing is, like, when you're making bad decisions, it's so much easier to make bad decisions. Yes. And then you look at, and all your options suck. Like, I look back, there was a, you know, there was a point where I was, Sharing a one bedroom apartment with a three hundred pound ex Elvis impersonator, <laughs> and I didn't. Good time. Oh god. Good and time. I was walking to the comedy Good store. Work. I had two or three jobs. Like I never Oof. had a day off. I was making minimum wage. I was completely miserable. But I didn't realize that my life was a result of the choices that I had made. Yeah. And now, better choices lead to better options. And then some days I wake up and I'm like, look at I get to do podcast i just shot a tv show i just got back from being on the road i'm getting paid to do comedy i'm like what happened to my life mm-hmm. better decisions also having the um the ability to delay your gratification like you worked those three-day jobs for how many oh, years yeah we lose yeah for, okay but then you keep the eye on the prize like rocky did and you find your right yeah your, and you your, get your that goal. shot you yeah. get and the weirdest thing for me that all the best things in life have been completely out of the blue. Like you yes. guys calling yeah. me for the pilot. I wasn't yes. like I went in and I was like, I really got to get this. I was like, what? Are you going to say psych? Is this, <laughs> right. is this, is this a joke? Right, it's like true. all the big things. It's that true. Are, so it's, I hate to say it's out of our control because I know we want to control things as human beings, but it's like, look, man, it's all a ride. It's all a gift. The best stuff just comes to you and the worst stuff too, but it's all part of it. Well, and that's the thing too. Like when I wouldn't allow myself happiness because I was convinced that the other, the other shoe is going to drop. And if I enjoy this moment too much, I don't know, for some reason I thought I would bring on the bad part to it. Or like when the bad part comes, I'm really going to be more bummed out. 
But yes. So then you're like, <laughs> I better not enjoy this at all. Yeah. yeah. I it, guess the secret is just yeah. never enjoying never anything. Never get happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I lived like that forever. Like yeah. I, there would be blessings in my life. I put myself in a prison God didn't want me to be in. Right. And like I get back to the screw tape letters and I'm like, oh, like there was a line in there where this demon was like, the secret is not not to give a man worldly riches for his soul. He goes, the real joy is when you steal a man's soul and he thinks he's he's serving God. He goes, there's nothing more delicious than the soul of like a Pharisee mm-hmm. or somebody that's pretending to be all awesome. But on the inside, they don't realize how lost they were. Mm. And that's where I was. I was like, I didn't think I was allowed to be happy. I thought that that was an insult to God. And I'm like, oh, it's just the opposite. Like, I forget whose quote it is. But they say the sheerest, the most clear sign of the presence of God is a a soul in the state of joy. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I could get into that God. Yeah, I could get into the God that wants me to be happy. I could get into the God that all of these desires are him talking to me. Yeah. Like when I came back to my faith after staying away for years, I was like, wait, maybe God wants me to be a priest. And I was like, all right, man, if that's what's going to make that's me cool. happy. I could see that with yeah, you. Yeah. And I was like, whatever. I realized it's all about God's will. And I don't want to make this too God talk. But for me, I'm just personally, his will, not my will. That's how I found happiness. But then God was like, did you ever want to be a priest? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he was like, right. That's because I don't want you to be a priest. He was like, I want you to be happy. And I'm like, I mean, being a comedian, he was like, do you like it? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, duh, that's what you were made to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, you really love me enough to that you want me to be happy? Yeah. And that took me forever to figure out. Well, that's interesting what you say about the string of bad decisions and bad decisions tend to lead to more because you're in a panicked, godless state, like in yes. a way. Like I'm not, hard, I'm not, I don't pray to like a Catholic God or anyone, but I do meditate and I find that those bad decisions spiral when I'm not connected to your spiritual self, when you're Absolutely. not connected to your source, when you're like panicked and you're like, I got to do, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, and you're like, wait a minute, I don't have to do anything. You don't have to pick up the phone. You don't have to send that email. Yes. You don't have to react. That's yes. the thing is you're so, I'm so quick to react in the past to bad things. Like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. It's all going to be awful. And then you're like, <laughs> right. wait a minute, right. wait a minute, right? go for a walk. Yeah. Like when I find when tragedy strikes, don't react. Do nothing. Say yes. nothing. Be quiet. Sit with it. Pray with it. Walk yes. with it. And how yeah. many times have you been? Was your situ- read on the situation completely off? And all, it wasn't all, 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 all the time. Most of the time, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, right? You're reacting because of something that happened in your past. It's not right. even what's happening now. No. It's that as a child something happened, and blah blah. blah and now you're programmed. Okay, this is another thing that I think I should uh, talk about. Exhausting. We we hinted around it. We were saying like how awful your 20s are. One of the best things about being 40 is having enough life experience where I go, oh, this too shall pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, oh, wait, it's been way worse than this. And you know what? The world didn't end. Yeah. All right. It's not that big of a deal. I agree. It's so awesome. Like I I love, I love, love, love being old. I do too. I'm turning 39. uh, Is it next week? The 18th. And um, there is a calm that comes with it because you just go, oh, yeah, I've been here before. Yeah. I, I recognize this this, um, this highway. And the thing is, too, is like I think sitcoms led me to believe that everything was hunky-dory and then bad things happen. And I don't think that's really life. I think no. life is kind of a continuum of like you're always going to have stuff thrown at you. Mm-hmm. There's always a challenge. There's always a bump in the road. And it's really just you going, all right, I can approach this with joy. Or I can approach this with worry and anxiety and fear and yes. diarrhea and, you know, yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get drunk and blah, 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 blah. Or yeah. I can go, 
<sighs> Let's think about this. We've been mm-hmm. here in this neighborhood before. How did yes. I do that? Yeah. Calmly. Yeah. And when you talk <laughs> about delayed, I have, I've noticed this pattern in my life. And I remember reading this somewhere where essentially when you do the right thing, sometimes there's some pain associated with that up front. Oh, yeah. Right? Most F. Right. Usually that's how you know it's the right thing because it's yes. not the easy thing to do. No. But then the ramification, the effects of that are peace mm-hmm. and like happiness and joy. Like it, and sleeping at night and yes. being able to sleep. Correct. But when you do the wrong thing, whether Oof. sometimes there's a certain amount of fun and joy associated with that up front. Right. But then it's the hangover effect. Right. And you go, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. That I, oh, I'm such an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was just offered uh, to do something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. And um, I got the offer and the offer on, was horrible. It was it was a quick and dirty version of what I wanted to do. It wasn't yep. good. It wasn't a good offer, but it was what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Right. Like the the, but it, the deal was bad essentially, and and I didn't know what to do because this is something I've wanted for so long. And right. oh god, finally it's coming around. But I how, <laughs> yeah. how do I say no? And I call my dad, and I'm like, what do I do? Like this deal is dog shit, but this is something I've wanted to do for so long. And he goes, look, anything that's rooted in bad if it starts bad it's gonna end even worse he's right and he's right and i had to pass on it and initially that thing of like ah but it's not gonna come back right (laughs) and it will and it it will it's gonna take a minute for the right way because that that was the wrong way the way it was offered to me was the wrong way gotcha and it'll come around it'll it'll take a minute longer but I believe it'll come back again. It'll For come back sure. right. Yeah. But I know you're saying it's like if you go into something rotten, it's always, that's why it's so funny. I always, um, and I'm not saying this for every relationship, but if you generally, in my experience, if let's say you've cheated on two, you, both of you have cheated on your other partner and then you enter into a relationship mm, with each other. How's that going to end? <laughs> right. For me, we, I did that as, as a high schooler, as a college student. Right. It ended disastrously. Yep. Because it's you're, the birth of it is dog shit. Right. The birth is nasty. So right. how can you even expect to for the the fruit of it to be good? You know. Yeah, it's so Fuck. easy to see now, but when you're going through it, you're like, yeah, you but don't know. You don't know great. what you don't know. No, you don't. Hey, you do a lot of stuff with the military, right? For sure, I love those guys. I love that you do that stuff, man. Because I. I went to Afghanistan like a few years ago. and It's the I, greatest, right? It's the greatest and it was the most traumatic thing I've ever done. And I cried and I came home and I was so traumatized that I don't know if I can go back honestly because it really affected me. Oh, yeah. And I have so much admiration for people like you who keep... You, how many times have you been over? Know. Well, I really do believe this. It's the least I could do um, when you see the sacrifices those guys make. Like even... Even if they were going away on vacation, even if they were going to like a five-star resort, but they're 10,000, I don't know, 8,000 miles away from their family and friends. Like I was talking to this guy yesterday on a plane that was deployed. Uh, he's former army, but he was like, never saw my kid's first words. Oh. I never saw their first steps. He goes, I missed birthdays. I mm. missed parent-teacher nights. I missed school plays. And uh, that's really a lot we ask of those guys now when you add in the horrors of war on mm. top of that if i go over there and talk about pizza day <laughs> you know what i mean it's like literally the least i could do but i will say this you know what it's funny you brought that up because i forgot all about that like 
10 years ago, I was really miserable. And I started to, like I said, reconnect to my faith in an adult way. I started to read a lot of books. I started to pray. I started to try to get to know God. And I was like, oh, this is a different God than how I was raised with, and he's awesome. Okay. But I was still feel filled with a lot of fear. My first tour was in 2006, where my buddy Dave Mashevitz was like, do you have a passport? I'm like, yeah. He was like, do you want to use it? I was like, uh-oh, because mm-hmm. I know he had done a lot of tours. He was like, somebody fall out, fell out. You want to go to Afghanistan in three weeks? Ooh. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> and had it completely yeah. go into faith. Yeah. You know? And that's a great way to live. To live like, mm. I remember reading somewhere where they said faith is taking a step and not knowing if your foot's going to land. Mm. And that's how you're really supposed to live. And then that was, say, 10 years ago. And just recently, I'm starting to really learn how to trust. Mm. Like I used to go, all right, God, I, I love you. I trust you. But just in case you fucking drop the ball, I have four <laughs> other backup plans. Right. Do you know? Right, right. And I was like, and I would try to force things to happen. And now I'm just like, all right, whatever. Yeah, you take cool. the wheel. Yeah. That, that saying. Yeah, take the wheel. <laughs> well, because you can't, you can't control it all. You just can't. And you can't no. think of all the variables. And there is a point that I've learned to give it up to any to higher power. Sure. To Yahweh, to Buddha, yeah, whatever, to Jesus, whatever, to whoever absolutely. the fuck is watching over us. Because there's only so much worrying you can do. Yeah. Because it's it exhausting. Really, it's exhausting and it solves nothing. And there's no merit to it. Like I used to think like, I used to be so angry where I'd be like, mad at other people for being happy like don't you yeah. understand how awful everything is <laughs> yeah I am i the only person trying to be a good person like that's how fucking yeah. lost i was you get that I've, I've been there too where you're just so bitter you're like oh fucking yeah. what, so, what are you smiling about it's a terrible yeah. terrible yeah. terrible way to live yeah it's terrible horrible. way to live it's horrible but do you so when's the last time you went over there well, last month shut up yeah where did you go uh iraq and kuwait Oh, my God. And uh, how's it going over there? What's going on? Mm, I will say this. I have a very limited understanding of the situation. Uh, I'm not a political guy at all. I don't believe in politicians. I believe in people. Um, When I watch our news, I definitely think there's that whole divide and conquer thing going on. Uh, Where, For whatever reason, I think everybody wants to separate us. So, um, well, it's more profitable to peddle fear and paranoia than to peddle the truth, which is most of the time people are going to do the right thing. I believe people are amazing. Oh yeah. Absolutely amazing. So I went over there and I think, you know, cause like really like Democrats criticize the war effort from one perspective and Republicans criticize it from another perspective. But what I saw my limited observations were, our military is trying their best to handle this ISIS situation with the most humanity, the most ethically way. Like what they're trying to do is empower Iraq to fight their own battles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we decided that we really had to get rid of ISIS, we could do it in two, three weeks easily. If we just said, all right, we're going to drop the hammer. If we took the gloves off, but they're not, they're trying to teach people to take care of themselves. And that's, look, I know there's people probably getting pissed at me for saying this. I have a very limited understanding. The guys, most of the uh, 
troops, most of the boots on the ground were uh, like special forces guys that were there just to train and instruct. But I remember talking to one guy and he said that six years ago when he was uh, in Iraq, his job was to train the uh, Iraqi police department. And he was like, on day one, I was teaching them how to put handcuffs on somebody. And it was like nine months later, I was still teaching them how to put handcuffs yeah, on somebody. I've, so it's yeah. a really frustrating thing. Well, because it's different. Look, the, America's great at military. Like, we're really good <laughs> at being in the business of war and of being in the <sighs> military. I, I know you're saying, though, I know that that's the party line that we're teaching them. And I kind of think it's valid, too, because like I was on a an oil platform in the middle of Iran and Iraq. Like, I did that. Did you, you did? Did you do ABOT? Yes! I did ABOT. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You've been on that fucking thing. Yeah, and you stay in the Connex boxes, yes! and there's this spray-painted outline of the body. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's gnarly. Did they tell you the story about the seals? Mm, no, tell oh. me. Tell me. So that oh this God. place, ABOT, is essentially a, a gas station for the whole world. It's an oil platform. Where the super tankers, like not yeah. tankers, the gigantic super tankers pull up. Yeah. Well, the story they told me, <laughs> and I could be very gullible, I'm everybody's little brother. Yeah. But they said that was such a str- point of strategic importance because that was the money funding Iraq that we knew when we were going to war we needed that. Of course, yeah. They said our SEALs took that over without even firing a shot. <laughs> They snuck up behind these dudes, guns to everybody's head, and oh, they were wow. like, what? the wow. yours, bro. Take right. it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was with those guys. Uh, it was so funny you've been so, there. Yeah, yeah you, I'll never meet another person. You'll never. Like, it's so no. rare. And the, Dude, the, yeah, I go. ripped my pants. Because you know, like, you have to like walk on, up those in- yes. steep inclines. Yes, it's horrible. I only had one pair of pants, and I was like... <laughs> We are sure, sure going to have a great show, and I'm at Love and Life, and grip. <laughs> there goes your pants. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah, and they put you in these tins to sleep in. What are they called? The, re- the Connex boxes. Yes, and on the very edge of the platform, so mm-hmm. you're, you can Rocking teeter over. The whole time, right? Yeah. That's why you, yeah. I just was like, yeah. In those so environments, scary. you need to have faith. Yeah, yeah, We're just yeah. Go, and I'm going to worry about everything, or you got to take the wheel. Well, and plus, you know, we had guys, I don't know if that would help, but we had guys outside of our door with guns, making oh. sure that, you know, me and the other girl were not to be messed with, and got, but who knows, dude? Like, who the, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But um, we got to tour the Iraqi barracks. Did they take you over there? Because they, they, they said they were training the Iraqis to eventually defend their own platform, eventually. That was the party line. And we had an ice cream social with them too. The best. Yeah, we, I was there <laughs> with the Iraqi uh, soldiers. It was a trip, man. Two nights before oh, Christmas. It was the night before oh, Christmas you're kidding. Eve. It was awesome, and they decorated wow. the little stage with Christmas lights yes. in the tree. It was oh, the best. wow! That is such a unique experience. And I remember um, being shown around. You know, some fucking marine. Was it the marines that hold that down? I don't remember. I think it was the Navy. The Navy. Yeah, it was U.S. Navy. And we have this guy giving me a tour of ABOT, and uh, and he's like, "All right, keep up." It's like 120 degrees outside. It's so hot. And I remember just trying to keep up with him, like, "Okay." And over here is a da da da. And I looked in the mirror, and my face was so red, like I had had like heat exhaustion. I was. It was so. It was such an amazing experience. And you sleep in that tin box at night, and you smell gas, and you're just like, "Wow, this is the fumes." Yeah, and you're like, what am I doing here? But then you do the shows the and, and you watch movies with those guys in their rooms and the, the whatever TV room, you know, and you go, oh, this is what I was supposed to do. I'm just supposed to come here and hang out with these guys. We it's, haven't seen a woman in a year or whatever. Yeah. And then for us, it was just like 
they couldn't believe that just that not a chip, but a civilian was there. They're like, what the fuck are you yeah. doing here? Yeah. And I love the conversations after the shows more than. You. Yeah. The shows are amazing. I think this one, why I love the military stuff. Number one, I'm, I really wanted to, I don't want people to think I'm some like crazy Republican guy. That's like pro war. I'm the opposite. I just really yeah, want to bring, I. I just want to bring yeah. peace. peace. Like, so I always viewed my job. I want to, I know it would be a successful show if we both forgot we were in Iraq. Yeah. Right? Like when you're that time on stage where you – I feel like I'm on stage at the comedy store yeah. and it's working. Yeah. It doesn't always work. But when it's working and you're in that moment, you're not in war. You're not at war anymore. Yeah. And then I realized the conversations afterwards can extend that feeling where we're just hanging out in a bar or we're just hanging out in a coffee shop. So to me, it's the most rewarding experience. It certainly can be. I mean, I it can be for sure. I think I was so, um, you know, when you see, like I said, I, we talked before we started recording, I'd go to the hospitals and I would see these little boys oh my God. just blown up by IEDs, shrapnel in their face, limbs missing. And, yeah. um, you know, and little kids that had rolled into fires because mom and dad leave them alone to watch the fire. It's the eight-year-old boy's job in Afghanistan to tend the fire. Right. and. And you're like, wow, look at all this horror. And I, I remember I came back just like, wow, like my life is cake. Oh. Ah. What am I right. crying about? What am right. I, what, oh. what am I so Abs- miserable about? Absolutely. See, there's another variable <laughs> yeah. to the whole happiness equation. Yes, yes. We touched on two things that, number one, we get to do what we feel called to do. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this podcast and then you have a sense of misery – Think about something that that you really feel a calling to do, that you were made to do. I know guys that were just mechanically inclined. I'm like fucking Gilligan. I can't. I look yeah. under my car and I'm like, dude, I replaced the battery. And my mechanic Jimmy's like, whoa, I did that when I was four. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all have special talents and gifts and we're all called to do something to serve the greater good. I feel blessed that mine's comedy. Yeah. So check that off the list. Then you, especially when you get to do that in a war zone, you're like, oh my God, this feels great. Every time I leave America and say whatever you want about all of our problems, and they're all true, nothing's perfect, but I always come home with such a great appreciation for how easy and blessed my life is. Dude, I know. Like, we have nothing to complain about. When you see the horrors some people have to deal with. Yeah, bro. Yeah, and then I start to feel guilty where I'm like, well, maybe I should join the Peace Corps. Maybe I should be over there feeding these kids. Maybe, and I don't know. And you can, and you still can. Your life is nowhere and you're being over. So true, it's never too late. Of course you can. You can do, you can do all that stuff, dude. Maybe, you know, when comedy gets boring or whatever. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. It's like, and we're in such a developed country and it's, everybody's on Prozac. (laughs) So many people are on antidepressants. And you, you look at like, um, like my family's from Hungary and they grew up in communism and blah, 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 abject poverty. And I'm not saying we were ever happy people. (laughs) I grew up, I I was going to say, I grew up, when I first moved to LA, my first apartment was in uh, Hollywood, the border of Hollywood, West Hollywood, was all russian neighborhood it's all people that grew up behind the iron curtain oh yeah but they had an appreciation yeah for how awesome this is yeah and i'm like oh it was such a great energy to be around that immigrant energy i'm like yeah (laughs) man yeah because i like i said i i I don't say that my family is by any stretch a happy joyful family (laughs) but i did have a keen awareness of the level of like wow this country is amazing just because 
Look at the fucking room we're sitting in. Look at the running water. Look at the fact that I can go to the grocery store and buy bananas any time of year. Exactly. Any time. An apple in winter. Yeah. Yeah, You're like, yeah. That's another thing. Happiness starts with gratitude. Yeah. For sure. sure, And if you start taking an inventory of all the blessings that you have or all the things you should be grateful for, it's countless. Yeah. Something as small as being in the Western world. Sorry. Like, I know that sounds really just being in America. Like, oh, I'm the government probably won't come in and um, and take us away for having this conversation. Yeah. Like I was just in China and I kind of number one, it was a wonderful experience. And I can't wait to go back. I had so where much did fun. you go? Uh, Beijing, oh. and then like Suzhou, and I forget the other. God, Hangzhou. look at you! You're everywhere. I don't know. You're all over the world in a month. Crazy. <laughs> um, but there was like people were like, "How was it?" I go, "I gotta be honest. Like it was great, but you, I felt like Big Brother was watching yeah. for sure. Oh, you really felt the presence 100%. of you know. Yeah, it's a different vibe altogether. Yeah, for sure. Like oh, you need so your scary. papers with you at all times. Your Fuck that. Ch- Papillon. Uh, uh, and, and it, yeah, it's just not cool. <laughs> no, nah, it's not cool. That's why it's cool here and in Western Europe for the most part. Um, do you have anything else? Any closing thoughts? Anything you want the people to know about happiness, about maybe even manufacturing it? What about a day that, that Steve wakes up and is not feeling it? I'm that's not talking cool. about a depression day, but just kind of a meh. Yeah, that's meh. part of it. That's all cool too. Yeah. That's really... There's a book called uh, Life's Operating Manual from Tom Shadyac. I would recommend that to people. What is, that? is he like a coach or like a... Tom Shadyac um, has life figured out. Super cool dude. He, he was a comedy writer and director. Oh, that's where I know his name. Yeah, from. and he has a... Um, like he did all of Jim Carrey's movies of the 90s. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then he fucking flipped out, right? And he wow, was on that's Oprah one way to put it. And like... He, he started to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's awesome he does a documentary it's on netflix it's and i think it might be on youtube it's called i am um i want to i drank a red bull before i came in here (laughs) so i know i talked a lot and i didn't want to make it too god preachy but uh i think happiness just comes down to being cool to each other just being loving being loving being kind and that's a very scary thing to do and i know that's a very scary thing to do because i've been through it um it's vulnerable yeah but you're not going to be happy without it no you know and i used to like get weirded out like if people wanted to hug me and And when i hear people say i love you to each other now that's all i do i hug people it's like you know hey i love you buddy yeah and why not you could drop dead tomorrow and then you haven't said i love you could you imagine how awful that would be could you imagine how awful that would be to be so blessed to grow up in this country with all these opportunities and all these, and be miserable the whole time about it. Yeah, a lot of people are, for sure. Most people are. You know, um, people ask me a lot about marriage stuff. Like, you and Tom seem like your buddies, and you guys seem to have a good thing, and how does that work? How does that yeah. happen? And I think the root of it is, is that we're nice to each other. <laughs> like, it's really just that simple of the conscious decision, even when you're not feeling so nice yourself, to think before you speak, to not yeah. to not take out whatever it is that's going on with me on him. 
No, I'm not saying I'm perfect. There are days where I'll snap right. and I'll be like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out of my mind right now. And I apologize and I take credit for it and responsibility. That's all huge stuff. Yeah. yeah. But being kind and little stuff like in the morning I make him a coffee. That's our thing. I bring my husband a coffee. That's awesome. And it's like the 1950s maybe. But it keeps our marriage. It's one thing I do that's just a nice small gesture that but it's and all vice small versa. Gestures. He does small stuff for me that balances it out. That's really, yeah. I think, the a great way for me to wrap up what I really do believe. It's all the little things in life. Yeah, it's the and I, people used to tell me that, and I'd want to strangle them. <laughs> of course, it's obnoxious. Or they would go, <laughs> "Well, at least you have your health," and I'd be like, yeah. "I'm going to punch you in the throat." <laughs> but that's all the really. If you do have your health, you have everything. Yeah. And then once you start to realize, like, the people that live in mansions, all the stuff that we're taught is going to make us happy, it doesn't. For a little bit. And for a little bit. But then you can, there's almost a profound misery that's even worse. Well, because then now comes the fear of losing the mansion. Not only that, but then you go, mm-hmm. now what? Now, now I got to furnish the mansion. Now I got to get the next thing. Now I got to get, I gotta get more, bigger, more, better. I got a helicopter. Yeah. Now I need right. two Tom, helicopters. Tom Shadyak <laughs> talked about uh, going from an apartment to his first mansion in Beverly Hills. Oh. And then he goes, after all the movers left, he was like, wait, how come I don't, this, this isn't the happiness I thought it was. Yeah. Wait, you know what? It's not big enough. Yeah. <laughs> so then he went from the mansion in Beverly Hills to an estate in Pasadena with like four <sighs> properties on it. And then he was like, private jets, houses around the world, original artwork. And he was like, wait, none of this is working. And like, I really will say this. Like, if you're somebody that is going, I'm miserable. All right. Just find a place to volunteer and go teach a kid to read. Yeah. Just do true. something like that. Or just sm- starts with a smile. Mother Teresa. It starts... Starts with a smile. Just engage somebody in conversation. Yeah. Say hi to a stranger. Um, one of the things that I do, uh, I used to do a, like a joke about it, but it's true. Like if I see a homeless person that's not under the influence of drugs at that time, I just treat them like they're a human being. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to give them money, but you could just be like, hey, man. Did you see the game last night? Like, oh, wow. Talking to homeless people? It's... Well, I don't know if I've ever thought of that before. I Seriously. Uh, the game, I used to call it, what, we're both going to pretend you're not homeless. Yeah. Oh, I'm a <laughs> horrible know? person. I didn't even... Doesn't even isn't that funny that that literally does not occur to me? Just to be like, hey, man, how's it going? What, do, what are you doing today? Or, you know... Yeah. Because like, I'm just afraid of them, I think. It's fear. As soon like, as we oh. see the humanity in each other, we're so great at judging people and putting labels on people... But as soon as we realize that there is no difference between you, I really do believe this, that we're all one, we're all connected. That's the source of joy. The yeah. source of joy is connecting to that person next to you. And man, get out there. Start with a little baby step. Like I remember once I was thought I was coming out of my depression years and years ago and I saw a homeless guy and I just smiled. I was like, hey, buddy, how's it going? He was mm. like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like literally said go that. Well, I know. And I was like, all right. And I dug further into my hole. You know, so I'm I'm not saying it's going to work great first time out of the gate, but no, start with but a smile, start with a conversation small. for somebody. It's getting out of your own stuff, getting out of your own stuff. We had, I did an episode last week on isolation mm-hmm. and um, how to cope with that. And sometimes you you are on a bot. Sometimes you're physically yes. so isolated 
from other human beings, sometimes you're around lots of people and you still feel the isolation. Absolutely. That's sometimes the worst. It is sometimes. But then, you know, also a lot of that is finding your tribe, finding your community, reaching out and helping people, even offering to babysit for a single mom. Maybe, you know, maybe she needs an hour (laughs) to do something. We all need each other. Yeah. We all need each other. And there's nothing weak about that. There's nothing... That's that's another thing. I think we're all brainwashed. We're all supposed to be these super self-sufficient. Uh, I, that's what I talked about in, in that episode. Is that I think society now has been set up. To, you know, we're such rugged individuals. Everyone's got their own brand, and I'm gonna be. You know, and it's yeah. and um and back in the old and ye olden times, people. Uh, hey, I need shoes. Well, there's a cobbler. Let's go see Steve Simone. Yeah, that, that cobbler will make shoes for my children. Oh, hey, Steve, how's it going? Right. Will you make shoes for me and my children? And yes, I will. And there's that relationship. Well, now I go to Zappos. I click on a button, and the shoes show up right. the next day. And you've lost the need for uh, for community for another and person that to is give you so help important. You, to commerce, even yeah, we all need it. Yeah, yeah, we're com- we're we're made to connect. Now back to what you were saying about um, having money and being in not enlightened can i have a mansion and a helicopter but and still see, be enlightened um, i guess you can sure because <laughs> i like stuff i grew up with not a lot of stuff and then and that, i like stuff yeah i thought i don't know <laughs> i don't know like i don't think there's anything wrong like i don't want to sound like some sort of communist or something i don't think there's anything wrong with okay this is what i really do think the truth is become the best version of yourself and whatever you want will be a byproduct of that. But I definitely think this. If the Ferrari is your goal and not being the person that earned it, you're going to be miserable. Of course. Without, of course. Without question. Right. Because that, that won't make you happy. It'll mm, still be no. the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, I would like Ugh. a nice house at some point. I would like you know a car where I'm like, is this going to definitely work? You know, that sort of stuff. But. I have that now. I'm good. I'm gonna. Good I know, place. but don't, I, you know, I, I never want to poo-poo material things because sometimes when you have those things set up, it allows you to be even more of a giver. It allows you to do the things for sure. Yeah. You're never gonna be able if you're not at peace. You're never gonna be a gift of peace to somebody else. It's right. a battery. It goes back and forth, and it's like sometimes you can give too much of yourself. Oh yeah, and then that's how you get really miserable. You're like nobody appreciates this, and it. Find the balance. Yeah. That I'm sure that there, yeah, I gotta be, I remember working at a gym, uh, one of my day jobs. I was there at like five in the morning and all the people that started the day at the gym, that's another secret that <sighs> happiness is exercise for sure. Oh, it's I've a cheat code. I've heard this. Oh, it's, you gotta get moving. <laughs> Mind, body, soul, cure personalis. It's all connected. Mm. It is. It's all connected. And the more you raise your game in one area, you're going to have to raise it in the other. Mm, you have to. That's interesting. For sure. Um, but I started to meet all these winners in the game of life, like people that were like owned private jets and not like apartment, but like hundreds of apartment buildings, like real winners. I got to be honest, a lot of those people were super cool. Yeah. Like yeah. the coolest, like what they wanted to do. With their, Steve, you're a good guy. What's going on in your life? Why are you here? What are you trying to do with your life? How can I help you? And I think when that is, and I know this sounds crazy. But I think when you're like a fan of everybody else and you just try to help everybody else along yes. the way, next thing you know, you're where you're supposed to be. Of course, because it's like, uh, yeah, if you're selfish and you're hoarding your good and you're hoarding your feelings. I always bring up Mr. Joe Rogan, who I we're both friends guy. with. 
that guy's a, a quote winner in the For game sure. of life. And he is nothing but gracious to everybody, everybody else. Which is really, really rare. And I've learned a lot just by watching him about what it is to be a successful person, comedian. Absolutely. And isn't yeah. that great when you go, wait a second. You can be a, a, a family person. Right. You can be uh, an accomplished artist and a businessman and be cool and be about normal. it. All. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> the stereotype is if you have money, if you are successful, you, you're automatically some kind of jerk. And it's like, no. Right. Like, no. I think that's part of the divide and conquer thing. Like, poor people think all rich people are selfish. Rich people think all poor people are lazy. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's. Which is Labels, so untrue because some poor untrue. people are such hard workers. Work and work like physical. And work. Like if you've watched people work in fields oh or my God. or people that are housekeepers, you're like, oh my, I don't know how you clean. Like our cleaning lady cleans our house and then like four more that day. I'm exactly. like, I, I don't even know how you do that. Like yes. I would be I would be a wreck if that was my day job. Like, wow, wow, dude. We're well, so spoiled. I'm so spoiled. Like, I mean, I think one oh of the God. best things was going through all those experiences. Like I was a laborer on a construction site. I remember cleaning the kitchen and all the, uh, when I first moved out here and all the Mexican guys would make fun of me. I got an amigo because I would take all the floor mats <laughs> uh, and take it outside. But then you see that connectiveness. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's what I want to just tell people. Take God and religion and out of it. Just realize we all belong to each other. Yeah, I think so. And that's, yeah. that's the source of happiness. It's interesting. I like it. And you know what, Steve? That's Steve, bro. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having for me. being Steve Simone. Check him out. Check out his comedy. He's hilarious, and he's also one of the happiest human beings I know. And it's very genuine. And um, yeah, check him out at the La Jolla Comedy Store, July 10th and 11th. If you're in the San Diego area, and you're not at Comic Con, <laughs> but I guess Comic Con doesn't go all night, right? So if you're free at night. Yeah, go come see by, Steve. have some laughs. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you're the you. best. All right, bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.